We're in a series right now, it's called Known, and uh, we're actually wrapping up that series this morning. It's the last week of this series. We've been doing it over the last few weeks, actually since the beginning of the year, and the idea behind it is that, um, you know, you saw some celebrities up there, some famous people, they were all known for something, famous or infamous, uh, but when you see their face, you think, man, I, when I see that person, that's what I think of, because they were known for that. So we've worked our way through the Bible over these last few weeks. We've been looking at some different individuals, uh, some who I think you'd heard of and some maybe you hadn't heard of, and looking at what they were known for, what it was in their lives that um, they were known for, what was special about them, what kind of set them apart in God's plan for their lives. But what I've loved about this series is, as well as learning some things about some of these men and women throughout the Bible, we've been able to take that and then apply it in our lives and say, well, well, that was great that that happened to Moses you know, thousands of years ago today, but how does that help me? How does that change the way I live? How does that help me become a better husband or father or, or wife or mother or employer, whatever you find yourself? How does that help me day in, day out? So each week we've been looking at these different people and then we've been kind of applying it saying, now, how can that help me live differently? And this morning, uh, as we close out, we're going to look at one more person in the Bible and what they were um, known for. And to kind of introduce who it is I'm speaking about, um, I'm going to show you something. So uh, this, this little story I'm about to tell you will lead into this morning's subject. So earlier in this week, it was my birthday. Um, I was, thank you very much, thank you. That's, that's why I said that, just to get that response. Um, you know, it was my birthday. I was 28, so that was exciting. Um, I've been 28 for years now. It's fantastic. But um, I got this really cool card. Uh, we met with some friends, and uh, we got together just uh, four or five couples, and um, we just had a a meal together, and then um, they gave me some birthday cards, and, and the first one I opened, uh, I've got it here in my hand, but it's going to be up on the screen so you can read along as well up there. It says on the front, once upon a time, a very special person was born who was destined to change the world. And I'm like, yeah, this card's for me. But I opened it up, and it says in the middle, calm down, it's not you, it's Jesus. <laughs> I think he'd want you to have a happy birthday, though. So we, we all laughed, and we thought, oh, that's funny. So then I opened the, uh, the second card. Once upon a time, a very special person was... Then I opened the third card. Was, and these people hadn't planned this. Three out of the four couples at this gathering had got together, and this was the card that they felt I needed to read. So uh, obviously feeling that I had some kind of Messiah complex going on or something, and they all felt, that's the card for Dave Jane. Uh, now, the fourth couple, incidentally, didn't get me that card, so they failed the test and will never be invited to a birthday celebration of mine again. But uh, the other three, you guys can come back. That was great. Right. But um, I share that story and show this card because this morning, believe it or not, the person who we're going to speak about is Jesus. And I know we've been working through some of the more um, maybe not so famous or obscure people in the Bible. And you might think, well, Jesus, come on, Dave. You're going to talk about what Jesus was known for? We all know who Jesus was. We all know what he was known for. I mean, he was the, he was the son of God. He came and, and he lived here on earth. We, we know about him being born in a manger. We know about him dying on a cross. We celebrate those two huge events at Christmas and Easter. When I think of Jesus, I know that he was a man who stood before crowds of people and, and, and told amazing stories and, 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 and astounded people with his understanding and knowledge of the Bible. Well, when I think of Jesus, I think of somebody who, who healed people and did amazing miracles. Well, that's very true. And those are all the things that I think Jesus was known for. But I want to spend a little bit of time this morning 
focusing in on one thing, one aspect of Jesus' life that maybe you didn't know that he was known for. When you think of Jesus, this maybe isn't something that you would go to straight away when thinking about the life of Jesus. And what I want to talk about this morning isn't those, those huge things that I just mentioned. What I want to speak about are those small one-on-one conversations that Jesus had with individuals. You see, we get to read about Jesus in, in four accounts in the Bible. They were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And some of them tell the same stories and others tell different stories, all from their perspective of, of, of the life of Jesus. But all of them reference at different points, just these things that maybe when you think of Jesus, you don't think of this being something he was known for, but those, those small, just one-on-one discussions, just with, with one individual that somehow moved that person from one place to another. Because you see, very often, these conversations with that individual, even though there weren't crowds of people listening in, they had just as great an impact, if not more, on that individual and the people that they came in contact with. You see, if you were here last week, Josh spoke, did a great job, told us all about Peter. And he alluded to that conversation that Jesus had with Peter after he had died and risen again. And Peter had denied knowing Jesus, even though he said to Jesus, I'll never do that. If you're familiar with the story, Peter denied knowing him, and then the the rooster cried out, and Peter realized this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. And the first time Peter sees Jesus again after this, they have this conversation. And Josh talked about that last week, this one-on-one conversation where, where, where Jesus said, Simon, do you love me? And it was kind of a, a resolution. It was saying, hey, listen, Peter, I forgive you. I've got great plans for you. You're still going to do great things. Pick yourself up. Brush yourself off. I've got great things for you. There was a great conversation that Jesus had with a woman by a well. His disciples weren't around, and, and he had this, just this brief interaction with this lady, but it changed her life forever. Maybe you're familiar with the story of Zacchaeus, the little man who, who climbed a tree because he heard that Jesus was coming to town. And, and Jesus stopped under that tree and said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your house. I want to have a conversation just with you. And we don't know what that conversation entailed. We know that Jesus went into Zacchaeus' home. But we know that later on, Zacchaeus came out and his life was changed. He was giving back money to people he had cheated. He said, listen, I want to make things right. Because what that man just told me has changed my life forever. So even though Jesus may not have been known for these conversations, they had a huge impact on the individuals that they spoke to. And as we've done with all of these people in this series, I want to ask the question of ourselves this morning. Is that something I'm known for? Am I known for somebody who has these kind of conversations that that can impact others' lives, can help um, challenge and change people? Because the reality is, in our lives today, these these intimate conversations, these kind of one-on-one discussions where we really kind of wrestle with with different issues and get down to the bottom of things, they, they don't happen maybe as often as they could. Those kind of conversations where we're open and honest and, and vulnerable, willing to speak truth in love to one another, willing to hear the truth spoken into our own lives. Now, knowing that I was going to speak about this whole idea of of conversations and these these intimate discussions, I was thinking, why is it that we don't do this? What are some of the reasons that that inhibits us, that stops us from having these one-on-one conversations? I think one of them is that we just don't make time for them. 
We're too busy, aren't we? We're, we're rush, rush, rush all day long. We're, we're, we're working all day. Some of us bring our work home and we continue our work when we're at home. We, we start early and we finish late. And then we're, we're caught up in activities with the family. We're off to sports events. We're off to different activities. And, and we're so busy that we never slow down just for a moment to have those deep conversations. We never stop long enough to really engage with one another. So one reason is that we just don't make time for them. You know, I was thinking about it. Maybe this is the reason. The second reason could be that we, we, we don't seek them out. Maybe it's intentional. We don't want to have those conversations. We're quite happy with how things are right now. I don't need to have a conversation like that. I don't want to get deeper. I'm, I'm content with the status quo. Don't, don't mess with that. Or maybe it's this. Maybe it's that we avoid them. Maybe we know deep down that if we were to have one of those conversations, it could get kind of uncomfortable. Maybe some things will be brought up and some issues will be discussed that could make things a little bit uncomfortable. So, so actually, we, we choose to avoid them. We, we deliberately make ourselves busy. We deliberately um, don't seek them out because we don't want to get into that moment of just being honest and open and vulnerable. Or maybe it's as simple as this. Maybe in the world that we live in today, we're just too distracted. Have you ever found that even when you're not working, even when you're not doing all these things, and you do get that time to just have that one-on-one -on -one conversation, how easy it is to be distracted by other things? Mainly that one thing that we all carry in our pocket. And it could be, amen, yeah. It could be so easy, can't it, to, to miss that moment of having a great conversation because we've got to just check that text, that Facebook update, whatever it may be. Well, I do have a solution to that problem for you here this morning. Check out this video. Okay, so picture this. I got a paintbrush in one hand. I got a knife in the other. Well, scalpel if you want to be specific. The patient's lying out there, out like a light, and I'm coming in thinking, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to paint the room, not do the... And... Uh, Susan, sweetheart, put your phone away. Jerry's telling the story. No, that, that, that's okay. No, it's not okay. Nothing is more emotionally painful than suddenly realizing your friend isn't even listening to your story. That's why Tripp and I, along with many of the world's leading paleontologists, have developed a product that will ensure a lifetime of fully present friends and family. Introducing Present Spray. Here's how it works. The patient's lying out there, out like a light, and I'm coming in thinking all of a sudden, am I supposed to paint the... So then all of a sudden the patient comes too. There's never been an easier way to make sure you're getting all the attention that you deserve. You can use it anywhere, except for space where there's no molecules. It used to be impossible to talk to my kids when they were watching TV, but present spray, it works every time. I used to have a problem paying attention to my wife, but ever since she started using present spray, I listen to every word that she says. Present spray, not an air horn. Maybe that's what one of us, some of us here need, is some of that present spray. I know I've got a couple of boys sometimes who get so caught up in their gadgets that it would be handy just to, just to bring them back into the room and let them know that we uh, have a question to ask them. But whatever it is, whether it's the cell phones, the gadgets, the business of life, um, whether it's intentional because we're trying to avoid them or just unintentional because we're too busy, far too often we miss out on those moments where we can get into those deep conversations, whether it be with a spouse, a loved one, a friend, whoever it may be. And Jesus modeled to us this, this idea. That, I mean, this was a busy guy. 
He had thousands of people wanting to see him and talk to him and spend time with him. And yet we read that there were still times he found, whether it was with his disciples or people that he met, that he was able to, to carve out some time and just intentionally get down eye to eye, face to face, and have a conversation with someone. We're going to look at one of those conversations this morning. It took place between Jesus and, and a religious leader whose name was Nicodemus. It was a deep conversation. The cell phones were put away and they sat face to face and had this discussion. You can read about it in John chapter 3 and it's a bit of a long passage, but I want to read it all this morning because you're going to be familiar with some parts of it and it'll be great to, to put the whole thing in context. So in John chapter 3, you can follow along on the screens. If you've got a, an, an app on your phone, you can look it up. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to that. John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, you may have heard that phrase again. People often uh, refer to people as being born again Christians. And maybe you weren't sure where that came from. Well, this is where that comes from. Jesus introduced this idea of, of what it means to be born again. And he goes on to explain that to Nicodemus. What do you mean, exclaims Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Now, this is going right against what this strong religious leader um, has come to believe. So, you know, this is kind of messing with his thought process. He says, how are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man, this is Jesus himself, the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses, back in the Old Testament, as he lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, Jesus, must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And then he says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That verse is John 3, 16. That's a really famous verse. A lot of people know that verse. Maybe you've even seen it, and maybe you didn't realize this, but at sports stadiums, when the guy's in the crowd, you see that guy with a banner that says 316, and you're like, what is that code? Who's, whose number is that? That's, that's what this is referring to. That's someone trying to get someone to read this verse because it kind of sums up everything that Jesus came to represent. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right, they come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. This is such an important message that Jesus is communicating here. It's as important to us today as it was to that religious ruler back in that day. In one of those most famously quoted verses, as I said in John 3.16, Jesus is telling Nicodemus and us this morning that we must be born again. Jesus is saying that all of us have been born once of water, but that unless we are born again a second time by the Spirit, we cannot see the kingdom of God. And he goes on to explain what that means to be born by the Spirit. He says, the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. It's that simple. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus and to every one of us who read this ever since, hey, listen, it just it boils down to this. There must be a, a second birth. You've all been born physically, but there comes a point in your life where you've got to make that decision. What do I believe about Jesus? Do I believe he was a good man? Do I believe that he lived a good life? Or do I believe that he died and that he rose again in my place? And that by believing in him and choosing to follow him, my life will forever be changed. That's what Jesus was leaving with Nicodemus that day. That's what Jesus leaves with us this morning. And I'd love to spend all morning digging deeper into that, talking about the incredible depth to what Jesus was talking about. But instead, this morning, as we wrap up this series on, on known, I want to focus in on the fact that Jesus took time for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this man. The fact that Jesus made time for Nicodemus to speak to him one-on-one -on -one and answer the questions that he had. Because as I said before, this may not have been something that before this morning you would have thought that Jesus was known for. But to Nicodemus... And Zacchaeus and the woman at the well and Peter and any of those people who just had that time one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, they would forever remember him for that moment. For them, that's what Jesus would be known for, just that incredible private conversation that we got to have with him that changed our lives forever. So that's why I want to spend just um, a few more minutes this morning just looking at this idea of, of how important it can be for us to make time in our lives for those crucial conversations. How important it is for every one of us sometimes to just push away the busyness and the, um, just the, the, the speed of life at which we live and, and push it aside and say, listen, I want to make time here. There are some people that I trust and I love in my life and, and I need to have some, some deeper conversations with them. So let's look a little bit more at this conversation that took place, and let's see how we can apply that to our lives this morning. Now, something I thought was fascinating when I was preparing this message, did you notice when this conversation took place? It says at the very beginning there in chapter, in chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark, one evening, he came to speak to Jesus. Now, I think that's significant. 
You see, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And if you've read about the Pharisees and you've read those accounts of the life of Jesus, you'll know that the Pharisees, they were not happy with Jesus. They were the religious leaders of the day. And they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, they spent hours trying to catch him out using their knowledge of, of religious law. And ultimately, it was the Pharisees who led to Jesus being arrested and executed. So when I read that Nicodemus came for this private conversation after dark, I think it's because this was somewhat secretive. I think this is something that Nicodemus knew could get him into trouble with his peers. But he couldn't deny what he had seen in Jesus. And he needed answers. So rather than just go along with his religiously held lifelong views, rather than stay stuck in that rut of what he believed, rather than stay busy in what deep down he obviously was questioning, he took a huge leap and he initiated a conversation with Jesus. That was the first thing that Nicodemus did was he initiated that conversation. That's the first thing that we can learn from this today. Because let's be honest, knowing Nicodemus is standing in the community, knowing who he was, it would have been a lot easier not to address Jesus in private. It would have been a lot easier to, to do this in front of his peers and do it in a mocking way. But humbly, he came to Jesus genuinely wanting to know more about who this man said he was. So that took a lot to initiate that conversation. For many of us, that's difficult sometimes, just the initiation of the conversation. But when we do it, it can produce such great results. I have a friend, and um, he, uh, uh, part of his work, he spends time studying and, and working out of the blends. That's a coffee shop here in, uh, in Washington. And uh, I'm sure none of you ever do this, but he occasionally can overhear, you know, some conversations that are going on, you know, and I'm sure it's not intentional. I'm sure he's just, you know, uh, but every now and again, I'll get a text uh, from my buddy because I don't know if you know this, but if you're familiar with the blend here in um, Washington, you, you'll know that it's actually kind of like a gathering ground for us pastors, okay? All the pastors, that's kind of where they, they go and they get their coffee. And if you've ever been to one of those um, or you've driven by one of those bars and you see all those Harley Davises parked outside like a real biker bar that what that is for bikers that's what the blend is for pastors okay we all come in and we like line up our bibles and we all but maybe not quite so bad like that but um but we come into the blend you know we have coffee with one another so this friend of mine he'll text me sometimes he'll be like hey dave there's a couple of pastors here they're at the table across from me i can hear them talking and they're talking about a church plant or something and i'll be like oh describe them to me he's like well one's bald and one's got a beard and and i'll look through my like contacts i'll be like i know who that is I, and i'll take pictures off facebook and i'll text them i'm like is this there he's like yes that's creepy that is that is exactly who it is and so I'm sorry, I've spoiled every one of your visits to the blend now, because you'll be like looking over your shoulder thinking, is he texting Dave now? Is he, uh, is he asking Dave if I know who this is? But I say all that because um, I've spent many an hour in the blend. I've spent time there studying and, and working, but I've spent a lot of time there meeting with people one-on-one. -on -one. I've spent time there meeting with you, some of you, one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes alone, sometimes with Casey, we've, we've gathered with people there and we've had conversations that, that for the most part, some of you have initiated. I've had a call or an email or a text, hey, would you meet with me? I've got a question. Or would you meet with me? We're going through some stuff. And, and very often, we'll, we'll meet there at the blend and sat in one of those booths. We've got to pray with some of you. We've got to cry with some of you. 
We've got to listen to exciting things that are taking place in your life. And we've heard some difficult challenges that you've been facing. Casey and I have even had the privilege of praying with people at the blend. Leading them in, in prayers, asking Jesus to be the Lord of their lives. Getting to experience them discover what it means to be born again themselves. I know of other leaders at Connect who have met people there and who have had similar conversations. But whatever the context of any of those conversations, that they all had one thing in common. Like Nicodemus, I know of many people who have felt the need to, to have that conversation, to go deeper, to tackle an issue, to ask questions, to, to move out of that rut that they seem to find themselves in. And for me, that's what I love about those conversations, because very often it's someone saying, listen, I've, I've been battling this for a long time, and I just can't figure it out. Do, do you have time to meet and, and help me process this? Or we're struggling with this, and, and it could have been over lunch, or it could have been you know, in, in your home, but wherever it was, we've had those, those great conversations. And the one thing that they've all had in common is because you've got to a point where you've had to initiate the conversation because you're ready to see something change. You're ready to get some kind of answer. You're ready to move forward on this. That's where Nicodemus was at. But you see, there's a second part to Nicodemus' story, and I want to share that with you this morning. Because there really is a second part to any deep conversation like this that we may find ourselves in. You see, Nicodemus, he may have initiated that conversation, but he also needed to respond. There came a point where Nicodemus needed to respond. You see, as he started to ask Jesus questions, Jesus started to unpack all this information about what it meant to be born again. And, and we don't read about it here. It doesn't tell us in this passage how Nicodemus responded. In fact, we may never have known what kind of impact that conversation had upon Nicodemus had it not been for a couple of references to him later on in the life of Jesus. The same author, John, he talks about Nicodemus a couple more times. We find out that when Jesus was brought before the religious leaders to be crucified in what was really a mock of a trial, we hear that one man stood up for him. One of the religious leaders, out of all the ones who wants to crucify him, one religious leader stood up and said, hey, is this fair? Is this really the way we should be treating this man who appears to have done no wrong? As you know that his voice was drowned up, he wasn't listened to, and Jesus was still crucified. But we know that that particular religious leader, his name was Nicodemus. We also know from a few verses later that when Jesus was crucified... And when he finally died on that cross and his body was taken down and placed into that tomb, we hear a very famous recollection of a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. He was another religious leader who owned that tomb. And he took a big chance because he, he stepped down and he said, listen, I want this man's body. I mean, if you were crucified, if you were hung like a criminal on a cross, you didn't get a tomb. But this religious leader, Joseph of Arimathea, he said, I want that man to be placed in my tomb. And you may be familiar with that story, but what you may not remember is that John references another man who helped Joseph of Arimathea and spent a considerable amount of his own personal money to buy the, the spices and the oils and the, the different things that they would use to anoint the dead bodies of that time. And his name was Nicodemus. 
They're the only other two times we hear about Nicodemus. But I'd like to believe that that conversation that took place caused some kind of response. That it changed who Nicodemus was. That when it came to the time of the crucifixion and burial of Jesus, when all the other religious leaders were screaming, crucify him, leave him for nothing, that one of the religious leaders stood against them, spoke up for Jesus. And I think it's because Nicodemus had been shaken by that conversation that something in him had changed. I'd like to believe that when, when Jesus rose again, that Nicodemus was one of the people who, who maybe visited with Jesus or, or encountered Jesus and, and whose life was changed forevermore. So what are we going to do? Because if we're going to take those conversations, it's great to initiate that conversation, but we've got to realize that if, if we get into a conversation with a friend and we start to um, talk about maybe something that's going on in our life right now or some, some struggles we're having or some um, questions that we've got, we don't understand this or some difficulties, whatever it may be, it's great to have that conversation, but we need to realize going into it, there is a very high chance that at some point there will be a need to take action. At some point, there will be a need to respond. And I want to challenge you this morning because as much as I want every one of you to engage in these kind of conversations, I don't want you to go into it blind. There will come that moment of, what am I going to do with this? Because although Jesus may not have been known for these conversations, the people who had them with him would never, ever forget them. So my challenge for all of us here this morning as we close out this series is, will you make time for a conversation like this? Will you make time to, to find someone that you can have a conversation like that with, knowing that it could lead to a, a need to respond, but I'm still going to initiate that conversation? Or maybe this morning, will you make time, maybe, maybe there's someone who, who you love and you care about and you see some stuff happening in their lives and, and you think, you know, I need to have a conversation with them. I need to see if this guy will come out and, and have lunch with me. I need to see if this, this lady will meet me for a coffee because I'm concerned about some things that I'm seeing. And maybe you'll take your, um, your, your role here from Jesus and think, I need to be the person having, having the conversation. You know, my friendship with this person, the, the way I care about this person matters to me too much to not want to sit down over coffee and have that awkward conversation and say, hey, is everything okay? You just don't seem yourself. I just see a lot more tension in your relationship. I see that things are, you know, I, I know you're struggling with this, this job situation. You know, t talk to me about that. So whether it's initiating the conversation because you need someone to speak to you, or maybe it's you're the person saying, no, I'm going to initiate the conversation because I want to help my friends. It takes us pushing away the business of life and making room for a conversation like that to happen. You know, we here at Connect, we believe that these kind of conversations are so important that we want to create an environment here within Connect Church for those kind of conversations to take place. Because it's great that they have a one-on-one -on -one in a blend and in a restaurant or, or wherever it may be, but we want to create another environment for those kind of conversations to happen. So we've been talking about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, and we're going to be launching some new Connect groups. You, uh, you've heard us talk about them. In fact, when you came in this morning, you'd have found some, some cards on your seat like this. And the reason is because we've got a few connect groups that run right now, but we realize that as the church has grown, we haven't kept up with having enough groups. So we've, 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 we're, looking, we're talking to some more leaders and we're starting some new groups, and we want you to get plugged into these groups. So let me tell you what connect groups are. They meet regularly, um, sometimes weekly, sometimes twice a month. 
Uh, normally in people's homes, but sometimes they could be outside, coffee bars, restaurants, that kind of thing. They're a great place for you to come and, and get connected. Experience the kind of conversations that I've been speaking about this morning. Get to know others. Maybe it seems like a big church when you walk in this morning, but this is a great way to, to make the big seem smaller because you get to know individuals. You get to know other couples, other people here at Connect. And maybe there's a, a stage of life that you find yourself in and you'll connect with them at this particular stage of life. You know, I'm thrilled for all of you who come each Sunday, um, but by getting connected whether that's through serving as part of a team. Chris talked about that earlier, that there are cards back there that you can fill in and say, I want to help out with Connect Kids. I want to help be a part of the setup or teardown team, or um, I want to help out with the youth, wherever it may be. Um, that's a great way to get connected. You'll get to meet more people. But another great way on top of that is through these Connect groups. Because when you get into a group like that, it creates the environment, it creates the opportunity to open up dialogue, to have those kind of conversations that I've been speaking about this morning. You know, when we talk about small groups, connect groups here at, at the church, we use this phrase a lot. We talk about the idea that circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. Here's what I mean by that. Right now, what are you all sitting in? Rows, Absolutely. Now, that works kind of nicely for me because I get to talk and you get to listen. And I kind of like that. But you know what? That's not ideal for ongoing um, what I call spiritual development. And here's what I mean by spiritual development. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, but you've got questions. You want to learn more. Then that's difficult to happen in a row. Maybe you're, maybe you're new to following Jesus. You've asked him to be your Lord, but this is all so new that when you open the Bible, you're not sure what to read. And when you start out, you're not really sure. You know, it's very difficult to grow like that in rows. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long, long time, and, and you want to not only learn more, but you want to be in an environment where you can help people. You feel like God's kind of gifted you with some experience and some knowledge that when you're in that kind of discussion phase, you can help people and say, hey, listen, this is what I've kind of discovered in my life, or this verse has really helped me when I've been going through something like you're going through. But, but you can't have that conversation in rows. You can only have that in circles. So we want to create circle environments. We want to create these connect groups so that you can be in circles and you can talk with one another. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a couple of minutes. We're going to put some music on in a second and uh, raise the lights just a little bit. And you get the chance to fill out this card. Now listen, there's a couple of options on this card, so it's great. Okay, The first is that I'm ready to join a group. You may be like, Dave, I've been waiting for you to tell me that there's another group to join because I am so ready to get connected. I am so ready to be a part of a group. Sign me up. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't know. This is, this is so new to me. I've never done anything like this. It sounds good, but I don't know if I'm ready to sign the dotted line. The second one says, I'd like to know more about connect groups. We'll tell you more. We'll kind of fill you in on, on what it's about. We'll, we'll maybe answer any questions you might have that are causing you to be a little hesitant and just jump right in. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I want to lead a group. I think I'd be great. I think I'd really um, be, uh, be fun to be able to gather some people together and, and help lead them in a discussion like this. And the last one, um, I would like to know more about connect groups specifically geared towards, and maybe you're here this morning, and there's a, a specific element. Maybe you're a lady here this morning. You want to meet, you know, your, your life, you know, once the kids are at school, you have like a little window during the, the middle of the day. Are there other ladies like that who'd like to meet and, and do a Bible study or read a book together? Maybe you're a guy and you're like, I want to get together with some other guys and just talk about stuff that I deal with as a husband and a father. And like, how do you guys do that? How do you, you know, maybe it's men. Maybe you're single here and you want to meet with other people who are single. It could be anything. I don't want to say any more because I want to leave that blank for a reason. So that whatever you're thinking, maybe that's you. Fill that in 
okay? But here's my last thing. I, I realize that this is part of my sermon this morning. So at this point, I, you know, who wants to be in? Yeah, everyone's. For the sake of our planning and for small groups, really think about this. You know, maybe you need to bring your card back next week. Maybe you need to go home with your spouse. Because we'll take these and we'll build small groups around these people. So the last thing we want is to say, oh, yeah, these people, they signed up, and they're in, and we tell the leader, these people are in your small group, and he calls them. They're like, you know what? On the day when Dave was speaking, I was like, yeah, and then we got to thinking about it, and it's not going to work with this. It's not. So, so, so I want to give you a moment you know, to kind of think about that and to, to really take the time to sign up. So let's play some music here for a couple of minutes. You can uh, take a moment here, fill that out, and then the guys are going to come, and they're going to collect those cards. Can you see? Do we need more lights? Do we need to? Is this the? Can we get it brighter than this, guys? Or is this? No, that's it. All right, we can uh, fade that music down a little bit if we can. So there'll be a spot on the website, connectwashington.org. There's a tab there that says groups. You can click on that. There's a form you can fill out online if you didn't get to kind of make that decision this morning. You want to think about it a little bit more. Um, I'm going to put a link to that page on the Connect Church Facebook page. So this week, if you talk to your spouse or you think about it more and you're like, yeah, this is something we want to be involved in. This is something we want to get uh, connected with. But let me just close out with this last story because um, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to be a part of a connect group. I'm not sure where the value for that would be. And so Case and I, we've, we've been a part of small groups throughout all of our lives as um, followers of Jesus. It's just been huge for us. Uh, whether we're in ministry or not, it's just been great as um, a young married couple without children, as a married couple with young children, now as a married couple with older children, to meet with other people and just learn more about God and, and to be in those circles where we have those conversations with others and we learn and we're like, how do you handle that and what do you do? And just some great discussions. And we had a really cool thing happen just recently in a small group uh, that we were part of, a connect group here at Connect. It's been running for about a year now, and I remember about a year ago when we first met as a group, and we got together, and there were some couples and some individuals in this group, and we were kind of talking about expectations and what we were hoping to get. None of us really knew each other that well, so we were all brand new uh, families kind of getting to know each other. And on that first meeting, one of these couples, and I'm so super proud of them for their honesty and transparency and vulnerability, they said, so, so here's the deal. Here's why we signed up to be a part of a small group. We're a, we're a young couple. We've got small children. We both love Jesus. We're, we're striving to follow him in our lives. But the reality is that both of us come from um, somewhat broken, dysfunctional families. We've both grown up experiencing, you know, things that we don't want to model in our own parenting. We don't want to be the parents that we've seen modeled. 
And they said, so to be honest with you, that what our expectation is for this small group is that we're looking for family. We're looking for family to be role models to us, to help us. And, to, and they started to cry as they shared this. And then people in our group started to cry as they heard this, just at the, that moment of them being very real and very vulnerable. But that's what they were looking for in this, this Connect group. And over the last year, it's been brilliant because we've got to know them. And we've got to walk through situations with them. And, and other situations have come up. And there have been kids in the group who have had to go into hospital for surgery. And we've prayed for them. And we've visited with them. And we've supported one another. And it's just been a great little community to be a part of. And it never fails that at some point during our gathering together, some kind of conversation takes place. There's some kind of crucial conversation, a little bit like the one that Jesus had with Nicodemus, where it gets us thinking and talking. So I want to encourage you and challenge you. I love that you come on Sundays, and that's brilliant. But if you're serious about, about going deeper in your spiritual journey, learning more, whether it's in finding who, who Jesus is, or you know who he is, but you want to know him more, then connect groups would be a great thing for you to be a part of. So let's pray here this morning. God, thanks so much for um, this series over the last couple of months as we've looked at different people and what they were known for. And although we came into this morning thinking, Jesus, surely we know everything that he was known for. Maybe this is new. Maybe we've never thought about the fact that he was also someone who was known for those intimate conversations he had. But the reality is, God, that as great of a speaker and communicator and miracle worker that he was, to some people, Lord, they will always remember him for those one-on-one -on -one conversations because it was in those moments that those, their lives changed forever. God, I pray that even if it's not through signing up for a connect group, that people here this morning would make opportunities in their life for conversations. For those one-on-one -on -one intimate moments, Lord, over, over a cup of coffee or over a meal, but that people would clear space in their schedule to have time with one another, to have those kind of conversations. Maybe they'll sign up for a connect group and those conversations will start to help them move from one stage to another in their relationship with you. So bless my friends here this morning. I pray, Lord, keep them safe as they leave today and bring them back next week safely in Jesus' name. Amen.